0: What's up, guys? You're listening to the 509 Car Club Podcast. If you're a car enthusiast from the 509, then you're in the right place. If you're not from the 509, then stay and listen, because we might say something relevant. Then we are back. What's up, guys? We have another podcast for you. More topics, more good stuff. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we're going to kick it off talking about BMW, doing some sketchy shit, as usual.
1: Mm.
0: Even though I own one, I don't condone everything they do. But yeah, so they're getting investigated by the feds right now because um, they're sales punching. So they're reporting uh, more vehicles have been sold in the U.S. than what they have actually have sold. So uh, the Wall Street Journal on Monday said the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, also known as the SEC, is looking into sales practices by BMW in the United States. According to the story, the SEC is seeking to determine if BMW followed the practice of sales punching in which an automaker has its dealers claim to have sold vehicles that actually are still in inventory in order to make its sales figures look better and a BMW spokesperson told the journal that BMW plans to cooperate fully and acknowledge the company has already been contacted by the SEC. So my question is why would they want to bump up their numbers? You know, why would they want a sales punch? What would be your uh, your idea on that one? Make more money. Yeah, but would they make more money just by boasting their numbers? Because they're not actually making more money because you know, let's say they they said they sold 5,000 cars this month, but they actually sold 3. So they took three thousand profits instead of five thousand, but they said they took five thousand profits
1: and then they probably got another a hundred three you know five hundred maybe so why it's just because of the fact that they said they got five thousand profits.
0: I just don't know why they would wouldn't you just get taxed more since you've made more money? Hmm. You're saying you've made more money probably hmm but the practice of sales punching the paper said if proved against BMW would mean the automaker had its dealers record vehicle sales for cars and SUVs that were not actually sold but still sitting on dealership lots a BMW spokesperson told the paper that the company plans to cooperate fully with the SEC's probe in 2016 automotive news quoted a comment by BMW of North America CEO Ludwig Willisch <laughs> who told the national automobile dealers association at an event that there is a lot of pressure to report high sales numbers. He addressed the practice of inflating sales figures by registering cars as loaners, then selling them as used with very low mileage by saying it is not ideal, but it happens. BMW, not the only automaker to have come under fire by government regulators for its sales practices. As the WSJ notes, Fiat Chrysler automobiles, that F- the FCA paid $40 million in, in a settlement for having paid its dealers to report inaccurate sales information over a period of years, also by reporting unsold vehicles as have been sold. See, I don't I – that I, I, doesn't really say the motive, but I personally don't care the sales numbers of cars. Yeah. Like, you know, whether 10 people have bought it or 100,000 people have bought it, I want to know, is it a good car? Mm-hmm you know even though let's say you know somebody break, pulls out a good car and it's kind of pricey so only 10 people have bought in it Well, will have those 10 people liked it
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i just I just don't really feel a need or understand why they would just want to boast the numbers like are, are, the, chasers. are they just trying to be like yeah yeah we sold this many but they actually sold that many like hmm
1: bmw is kind of getting weird might have to buy an Audi. <laughs>
0: Might have to buy a fire truck. Um, the first all-electric fire truck. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but it's here. And I never ever thought we. I that just never really came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about electric vehicles, I never. Really, <laughs> you don't
1: think of an electric fire. Truck. You don't
0: think of electric <laughs> fire truck. I never really thought that we would have. I mean, everything eventually is going to be somewhat electric, but I never really thought fire truck was gonna be up next. Water plus electricity doesn't sound doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah. But officials in Menlo Park, California cite a high price as the reason they turned down the first all electric fire truck. The truck is made by global industry leader Rosenbauer, which promises power, flexibility, and innovation beyond just the electric. The high cost of gas powered fire trucks has discouraged departments from updating for a long time. So, what does this mean? It means the tech company in Hub Park, California, has balked on plans to order a revolutionary electric fire truck. The fire district's board of directors said the no vote came down to the cost. Over $1.1 million by the time the truck is shipped and certified. At this point, the truck is still primarily a concept. Its designer, an Austria-based Rosenbauer, is one of the top makers of fire trucks in the world. Rosenbauer makes fire and rescue trucks as well as specialized versions of these vehicles for use at airports the company was founded in 1866 and its legacy and clout in the world of fire trucks mean that it's all electric concept is turning a lot of heads and in fire departments around the world but some emergency vehicles like ambulances or even police squad cars can be retrofitted for consumer vehicles or manufactured just slight differences Danish ambulance company Falk introduced an electric ambulance earlier this year, but Falk sells ambulance services. It doesn't make the vehicles themselves. Rosenbauer brings in engines from BMW or Volkswagen, but otherwise builds custom fire trucks from the ground up. Damn. But so far, this electric fire truck is still a concept, and it's built for fighting fires in modern settings with changes based on shifting Firefighter demographics and how many departments work in both urban and rural contexts. The CFT, which is the concept fire truck, can be raised for driving and lowered for service at the scene with a range of about 6 to 19 inches. A remote controlled crawler can carry over 1,600 pounds of whatever firefighters need. The interior is modular, meaning departments can install tanks and other equipment according to their needs. So after buying the 1.1 million dollar fire truck, you still have to buy 100 to 200 thousand dollars more of equipment to fit the truck itself. And it has two electric motors, and they power it up for 30 minutes of driving plus water pump operation. And a diesel generator acts as a backup power source for the engine or the pump and other systems. The adjustable stance keeps the truck more stable when driving, and has a narrow body. And a tight turning radius compared to others in its class. Plus, the CFT is decked out with haptic feedback and rear view cameras, making it even safer for people around it in the station or at an incident site. But it's like $1.4 million after everything.
1: There's probably, how, what would you say? Probably about roughly 500 fire trucks. A state or province?
0: We can look that up. How many fire trucks per state? can't forget about the provinces too. According to the National Fire Protection agency, Agency, U.S. Fire Department profile says there are 69,150 fire engine pumpers, 7,000 aerial apparatuses, 76,300 other fire suppression apparatuses in the U.S. Which state has the most fire departments? Florida has 477 fire departments, and let's say that's two trucks per fire department. How many fire stations are there per population? There were approximately 1,056,200 firefighters in the U.S. in 2017, an estimated um, 373,600 of these were career firefighters, and 682,600 were volunteer firefighters. Right, so, okay,
1: take, take Florida's number. Right, what was that, 477? 477
0: registered fire departments in the state of
1: Florida. And then, like you said, there's probably two, let's, say, let's say three. Three per station.
0: Actually, no, it's just say two.
1: Okay, two per station. And then there's 69,000. Wait, no. I'm doing this wrong. So just multiply two
0: by 477. So you get...
1: Like nine something.
0: You get um, 900. No, you get more than 900. No, you get 900 and... Um,
1: 954 9, Just google it <laughs> Just google it You have a calculator right in front of you I can't
0: <laughs> I can't do math well, I think it's 954 You know if my phone actually worked living there, Yeah 954 Okay I wasn't stupid But so it's 954 Fire trucks so that's nine hundred and fifty four million dollars mm-hmm. worth of fire trucks. Mm-hmm. How much does an average fire truck cost? How much does the average fire truck cost? Um Roughly $550,000. So a basic fire truck is one hundred dollars to $300,000. A mid range structural pumper is $500,000 plus. A ladder truck is $650,000 to $950,000. And a crash truck, often seen at airports, is $750,000 to $1.2 million. But this, this fire truck, the electric one, costs $1.1 million, not including all the equipment. And it can only drive and pump water for 30 minutes. And then it has a backup diesel generator. So
1: it's useless.
0: That's why it says it's, it's only good for rural areas or um, modern areas. So, like yeah, a neighborhood the fire truck is five minutes away. It drives five minutes and now it has 25 minutes worth of pumping water Mm -hmm. plus the diesel engine. So that would make sense. But if it's out in the wilderness, you know, it has to drive an hour or 30 minutes, you know, it would just be completely useless. Mm -hmm. So that's why it would only be for rural areas, smaller communities, but they wouldn't be able to afford it. Like that'd be just be too much money. So, and imagine, imagine if this thing got stuck in traffic. (laughs) <laughs> for 20 minutes trying to get to a destination that's, that's 10 okay. minutes away. Yeah. it's very... It's just very selective. Mm-hmm. It could be useful, but it's very selective in where you could use it. Yeah. I mean, we could use it locally and, uh, you know, Yakima, yeah, on. it's 100,000 people, but it'd have to be somewhere rural. And let's say it has a maximum of like 10 minutes. If it's more than 10 minutes away, then it can't go. But it just wouldn't be worth the money. It wouldn't, for, because you probably wouldn't even use it that much. So the emissions you're saving, I
1: mean, for what? Yeah.
0: All right. Speaking of stuff you didn't think you would hear about, but <laughs> yeah. anti-drunk driving. So that's a box. So what does that mean? So obviously anti-drunk driving, trying to keep trying to keep people from drunk driving,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they use. If you've been caught with a DUI, they use the blower, the interlock devices to prevent drunk driving. But people have been doing studies on these in-car breathalyzers and the use in the United States for in-car breathalyzers has almost tripled in the US in the past decade. These uh, IIDs, which stands for ignition interlock devices, as they're technically known, sometimes require drivers to blow into them while the car is being operated. And then this can distract them just as a cell phone can just as a cell phone can, with a New York Times investigation revealing dozens of IID related
1: accidents. So um, people are blown into it for no reason.
0: No. So it, let's say you're driving down the road, you blow it in to get your car started. 15 minutes later, it wants you to blow again. So you have to look down, grab the device, and blow into it. While you're driving, which that's just as distracting as a cell phone. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, which this has caused accidents. So, and it says, even as more states look to requiring IIDs for drunk driving convictions, few people are looking at the distracting effects. But it's not difficult to find someone touting the benefits of the interlock device to detect and foil a person trying to drive under the influence of alcohol. Something that is less often touted is the fact that drivers can be asked to work with this device while they are piloting and moving a vehicle, and that has dangers of its own. Lifesaver, a company that sells these in breathalyzers, points to the widespread use of ignition interlock devices by government vehicles in Sweden and says this is a trend the U.S. should follow. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is in favor, too, saying IEDs um, have brought down or reduced repeat offenses for driving while intoxicated by about 70% while they are installed. Now, that'd be interesting, putting them in government vehicles. So like, even though they've never had a DUI, but since it's a government vehicle, they're making sure you're not intoxicated. Because mm-hmm. there's been uh, cops that drink on the job, and then they get in an accident, or they fall asleep at the wheel because they're intoxicated. And so imagine like you having to you know, breath of lies to drive an ambulance or drive a fire truck or, or drive a cop car. I mean, that'd just be more tax dollars, but um, that'd be interesting. I wonder if that would get annoying. And you know, like, and then it makes you like do it every hour or whatever. I don't think we, uh, but they do it in Sweden, but I don't think they do that. But that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Solving a problem, but no answer to a problem is perfect.
1: Mm-mm.
0: So, do you think they'll actually do anything with this or are they just going to keep running with it
1: well I don't think there's really anything they can do unless unless they just stop making people blow into breathalyzers while their car's operating yeah. but, you know
0: you could be sober when you first get in the car and then have a beer in the car and that's why they do you know, every 30
1: minutes or whatever
0: to make sure you're not drinking and driving literally at the same time so, that'd be interesting. I don't think it'll do anything.
1: Probably not. I think it just banned beer, alcohol.
0: They tried that in the Prohibition in the 30s. They tried that? So, yeah, alcohol was illegal for a while. It didn't go so well. Um,
1: like, not even a certain age? just.
0: Yeah, it was just illegal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then... The one of the big alcohol companies, therefore, um, pointed the finger at marijuana, and that's why marijuana was banned for so long. Yeah. They brought alcohol back.
1: No marijuana is like not even bad compared to it whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think the, the effects of alcohol are definitely worse than the effects of marijuana. Um, the abuse, the abuse are on total opposite sides of the spectrum because the effects of abuse are of alcohol, I think, is a lot different. Than the effects of abuse of marijuana to your body, mm-hmm. but the outcome is almost similar. If whether you're abusing alcohol or abusing marijuana, you're you're it's
1: still substance abuse.
0: Both ways, you're going to be inefficient. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to be struggling. You're going to be happen, yeah. yeah, it's it's negative both ways. So you know, abuse of anything, really, um, whether it's alcohol whether it's caffeine or whether it's marijuana or you know pills, opioids, you know they're It's all not good. So when people are like, oh, you know, alcohol is way better than marijuana or marijuana is way better than alcohol. There's negatives to both sides. Um, So.
1: Alcohol is definitely a lot worse. Alcohol
0: makes you aggressive. Marijuana makes you anti-aggressive. Which people are like, oh, it makes you into a bum. Um, Alcohol is more of a social thing right now. Um, It always has been. When marijuana was kind of just for, like, the potheads and the stoners. But now marijuana is turning into something way much more.
1: You know, it's its own business. It's fucking weak.
0: Huh?
1: Like, like you see.
0: Oh, yeah. You these CBD products, and THC and all this infused yeah. products. It's whack. CBD is huge right now. So, it's it's growing. I'm curious what, what the look on marijuana is, if it'll be, like, the same look on alcohol. Like, what the local marijuana will be like in, you know, 20 years. Because you're still not allowed to use it publicly, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Which you technically can't fucking, you can't walk around and drink beer either. Like, you have to be at, like, a bar, but there's no places where you can sit and smoke weed, like, publicly.
1: There we go. That's a business idea for number 21.
0: Yeah, but. It literally it'd have to be in like a really like suburban area because people would have to walk. You'd have to walk everywhere. People can still have a beer and drive. But the moment you know you take a hit something, you're technically not allowed to drive anymore. So like make it have like no parking lots, like no parking, because everybody has to walk or can you ride a bike stoned legally? Yeah. Probably. Definitely. The worst thing is you run in the road and kill yourself, not kill somebody else. That'd be interesting.
1: <laughs> make a new law make a new law
0: alright on the topic of electric I guess we got into the topic of marijuana and alcohol but um, one of we we talked about this electric vehicle a couple podcasts ago it is a truck it is not the fugly cyber truck it is the Rivian R1T electric truck that can pull off a 360-degree tank turn. And the only reason it can do this is because it has quad electric motors, meaning it has one electric motor at each wheel. So, therefore, each wheel can spin in a different direction at a different speed, which allows the truck to just... which means it has a zero-turn radius because it can just move and turn without actually going forward or backwards. Like, it can just sit there and spin. (laughs)
1: Do we to do that? They're just going to be in traffic. because
0: Like, we're watching the video on it right now. Tank turn.
1: It's so unrealistic. Look at him. He's just sending it.
0: It's badass. He's going ham. It's like that's a little too aggressive. I feel like he's probably just going aggressive as fuck. Yeah, I'm probably just showing off what it can do. So the right side will spin backwards and the left side will spin forward. So it creates that spinning motion, but um, yeah. So the startup Rivian is not just teasing its upcoming R1T electric truck in this video. It's exceeding our expectations for fun and value. The R1T is shown spinning 360 degrees thanks to its four individual motors one on each wheel, known as the tank turn and the RT1 or R1T goes on sale predicted to be late 2020. Has Rivian ever released anything else or is this their first product? I don't know. I'm not I sure. Think, I think it's their first one. I've never heard of that name. I've never heard of it either. It says, despite how exciting it looks, there's not much magic to it. The Rivian can do this because it has four individual electric motors, one driving each wheel. To make the R1T spin in place on one side of the truck, the motors spin forward, while on the other side, they spin in reverse. As Rivian notes, the feature is only intended for use on silic surfaces such as grass, dirt, and gravel. The company says that the vehicle will sense that the traction threshold is low enough before the feature is enabled. Rivian won't exactly say exactly how it's activated, but hints that there will be some sort of driver input required. We assume it'll be activated by a button within the touchscreen, and it'll be optional on all versions with, of the R1T and the R1S SUV with a quad motor setup. Definitely looks better than the fucking Cybertruck. Like those lights are a little weird, but I mean, it's actually, it's an actual truck. It doesn't have the weird things. Oh, that's fun. The R1T is a Michigan based startup that has backing from both Ford and Amazon. The truck will be accompanied by an electric SUV called the R1S. And it's claimed to have up to 400 miles of range and a zero to 60 of three seconds and a towing capacity of 11 plus pounds all that and a tank turn too so this truck i honestly will think well i don't think it'll have as much clout as a cyber truck but i definitely do think it'll have better purpose and better mobility and it'll sell better than the cyber truck especially with that tank turn because i feel like the Cybertruck right now is just kind of a joke so there's really no point Sadly, I think it was, I think the Cybertruck has was kind of honestly a fail. And do you think he'll redesign it? Definitely, at some point in time. I thought that yeah, the first time I saw it, because I just feel like it's not going to sell. Like I mean, it will. Yeah, it, it will a little Instead bit. the chasers. Yeah, but otherwise, people who actually want an electric truck. But to actually do like real truck things like tow and put stuff in the bed and all this stuff. Probably less than they they can't because we went over on one document or one podcast all the things wrong with it. Some guy wrote an article about it and there's tons of things wrong with it. You can't see, you can't load up certain stuff, it's 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 not good for mobility. Like it, it made no sense. Mm-hmm. So I mean Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the Rivian. Is it not like that, but zero to sixty in three seconds?
1: Mm. That's
0: insane. Out of a truck. That's impressive. That's faster than most Ferraris. Yeah, that's faster than a four-five-eight. Like that's nuts. That's nuts. That's absolutely crazy. Who knows? Sports trucks, sport vehicles would beat trucks and do truck stuff. But yeah. All right, our last topic, our funny topic, is a wiener. Right. A big wiener truck called the Wienermobile. So this Mobile, you guys have probably seen it on the internet somewhere, um, but you can get paid to drive the Wienermobile all over the country. The application deadline for young, cheerful, and above all irony-resistant drivers is January
1: 31st. What does irony-resistant mean? I don't know. Like, no, no rage? Your insecurities, maybe? I guess. Yeah, that's the
0: Wienermobile. If you guys are watching or listening, go look it up. Wienermobile it looks it's terrible. It's a wiener. If you thought parallel parking for your driver's test was tricky, imagine doing it in the midst of New York City gridlock in a 27-foot-long hot dog on wheels. That was the reality for Rose Beef. Like Lady Bird, <laughs> wait, <laughs> Right. It's her self-given name. So her birth certificate reads Rose, Rosie Hutchinson, okay. and she lived to tell the tale of it. Um, we're sitting in the second row of the Wienermobile, her home away from home over the past five months. Beef is a full-time hot dogger, the official title of the recent college grads who spent a year driving Oscar Mayer's gigantic hot dog-shaped publicity vehicle all over the country. She and Connie Salami, real name Connor Gray, manned the Oh I Wish Wienermobile, one of six traverse that traveled in the nation. Together, they travel from supermarkets to block parties to fairs to tourist traps spreading the word about Oscar Mayer's Franks and handing out wiener whistles and stickers to everyone they meet.
1: Who wants a wiener whistle? <laughs> Anybody want to blow my wiener? Oh. <laughs>
0: The job itself is a one-year commitment from June to June, and to qualify, you need to have a bachelor's degree and thoroughly relish wordplay.
1: A bachelor's degree to drive a fucking truck?
0: (laughs) Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) Applications are open until January 31st, 2020 for the upcoming class, so naturally, we had to take a sneak peek at what it's like to actually live the dream. Hot Dog High, that is where its recru- recruits learn the essence of being a hot dogger and learn to drive the Wienermobile. At the end, there is a full DOT test you have to pass. Imagine doing serpentines around traffic cones, parking, backing up, all with five other Wienermobiles alongside of you. I mean, it's a big second like plus.
1: That's practically what it is.
0: And they give you a new name. Upon a graduation, everyone chooses a, a punny nickname. Hence, Rose Beef and Connie Salami nicknames. Even as an honorary hot dogger for the day, I was Christened anew. Candace Braun Davidson shall henceforth be known as Cold Cuts Candace. That's funny. Hot oh, oh, dude, sick name. <laughs> it has sky paintings inside the Wager You'll feel famous. Yeah, I'm personally, I'm not persuaded to do this. I really don't feel like driving around a big wiener for a year.
1: Imagine if someone like took the time to get their bachelor's degree to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Unless I'm getting paid like a freakish amount of money, you know, if like we'll give you four hundred thousand dollars to drive this around for a whole year, I'll be like, all right, fine.
1: We give it a half to be that much.
0: Yeah, or more. So, like, otherwise, I feel like I would just waste a lot of productive time driving around a vehicle that has no sense of value to me. Whatsoever. Yeah, and then it's just a bunch... I don't know. I don't even like hot dogs that much, so I don't know why I would do this. I'm good. Would you want to drive around a wiener? No. Blow on the wiener whistle? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's really not the move.
1: Nobody would. Well, they did. That girl does. Mm-hmm. She saw the words clout. <laughs> she was like, yes. Yeah.
0: This is going to make my Twitter page so good. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck.
1: <laughs>
0: I can't believe they actually made a Wiener. But. <laughs> like, it generally looks like a hot dog on a bun. Go look it up. It's the Wiener Mobile. Driving that around New York, handing out flyers, past the trivia test. All right, guys, that's all we have for the podcast today. I want to say thank you for tuning in. If you guys haven't go haven't checked out the YouTube or the Instagram yet, uh, please go check it out. They're both at 509 Car Club. And make sure you guys go tell a friend, a family member who are all car enthusiasts to make sure to listen to the podcast because, you know, we're the best one in the 509. All right, thanks again, guys.